I think this might be the first time we're all seated upright in in standing seats. That's fantastic. I'm I'm not under a table. I'm not laying on a rug. I'm not laying on a bed. Everyone and welcome to the protagonist. I'm Joseph Dorowski here with Todd Mack, and each week we look at a great character and a great story. Today we're talking about Mary Richards from Chuckles Bites the Dust, the seventh episode of the sixth season of the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Chuckles Bites the Dust originally aired October 25th, 1975. It was written by David Lloyd and directed by Joan Darling. Uh, this is one of the most famous episodes in television history. It was named the number one episode of all time by TV Guide in 1997, and the number one show of all time by Entertainment Weekly in 1998. And uh, even though some time has gone past since then, some pretty good shows, uh, it's still highly regarded. Uh, the, the year the episode aired, the series won an Emmy for Outstanding Comedy Series. Ed Asner and Betty White also won Acting Emmys, and the series won for Outstanding Writing that year. Yeah, uh, the series, uh, it should also be said, it had the record until Frasier for most Emmys in history. Frasier did pass it in the 2000s, uh, but over the course of its run, Mary Tyler Moore Show won 27 Emmys. Or 29 Emmys. 29. I don't want to short it, too. The more you talk about how famous and important this show is, the uh, sort of the less, I don't know, the less I feel. Because I'd never even seen a single <laughs> episode of it until <laughs> Well, today, how, today. how did you come to it, Todd? How did you come to uh, see Chuckles Bites the Dust? Why don't you tell us, uh, I think that the origin story of this will probably start with you, not with me, so... Uh, I just remember it being on Nick at Night when I was a kid growing up, back before, you know, there were Netflix and DVD collections of shows. Uh, and Nick at Night would offer reruns of classic television shows from the 70s and before in some instances. And Mary Tyler Moore was one that was in the rotation. And so I caught a lot of episodes then. And every now and then they do like a, uh, a ranking of the best episodes that, you know, they, they had in their rotation from shows like Mary Tyler Moore or I think I Love Lucy was in there. Uh, a bunch of others. And I remember this episode specifically being at the top of one of those nights where they did kind of a marathon of the best episodes of, uh, you know, of their catalog. And so I always remember Chuckles Bites the Dust. And in prepping for this episode, I mean, I, I kind of knew it was significant, but I didn't realize, you know, all the regard that it's held with. It's still in most top ten lists when uh, groups like the Writers Guild of America, I think, just did a top ten uh, list of the best written shows, and I, Mary Tyler Moore Show was number five or six on the list, I think. It still shows up in a lot, most top ten lists, both Mary Tyler Moore Show and then specifically this episode, Chuckles Bites the Dust. Uh, so I came to the work because you told me that you wanted to talk about this, and I said, well, what the heck? And <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. I just added a note, by the way, to our um, to our little spreadsheet uh, that we should talk about I Love Lucy sometime, because that's a show that I actually have seen. Yeah, and, another uh, one. It's a total classic. Yes, so, absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, I watched this uh, for the first time uh, a couple days ago, and then I just rewatched it. And I was going to do sort of a Mary Tyler Moore show marathon, and then I thought, no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna come into this fresh. <laughs> and I, I mean, it's been years since I watched any episode of Mary Tyler Moore show, but uh, back when I was watching Nick at Night, I. I Saw a lot of episodes, so I, I I recognized all the characters that were on here, and you know I I instantly had that kind of nostalgia recognition of of Maury and and Ted, uh, you know all these all these great uh, side characters, which is one thing the show was famous for was um, really starting to develop a a rich cast of of side characters that 
all have uh, more depth than had probably been seen typically in the sitcoms uh, from earlier eras. Hmm. Alrighty, well, do you want to give us a, a sort of spoiler-free synopsis of the show in general, and then maybe I'll give a little... Uh... It's hard to give a spoiler-free episode of... Or spoiler-free synopsis of this episode, which is called Chuckles Bites the Dust. <laughs> um, because, uh, well, for two reasons. One, the, the title kind of gives uh, a huge part away. Uh, but then the second thing is this, uh, this, this episode, there's only one storyline. Like there's no there's no subplots to reveal anything. There's just the A line. There there's no B or C stories. Um, in television history, we really didn't start to see those as a common thing until the 1980s. And now, I mean, every you know sitcom and, and drama has to have multiple storylines going on and some that carry over. Uh, this was completely self-contained. In the episode, there is a uh, significant death of uh, not not a significant character, just a, a death of a famous figure. Chuckles the clown, and the episode revolves around how the various characters react to that death. Do you want to take two steps back and tell us a little bit about who these characters are in general? Yeah, um, and why Ameri- they would care about Chuckles the clown? <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. In the show, the characters all work at a news station. This is a workplace sitcom. It's not geared around home life for any of the characters, and. Uh, they're broadcasting the news one day and their their manager comes in and says, Chuckles, the, the clown died. And so the rest of the episode deals with how the newscasters and the writers and, and their their manager all deal with the death of this, this clown, how they react. And there's many different reactions that come about from that. That's uh, that's that's a pretty good spoiler-free synopsis. So if, you're, if that sounds interesting to you and you want to... Uh, watch it. You can jump over on YouTube and watch it, and then uh, jump right back. It's short, twenty-five minutes, and you—if you don't laugh—it's because you don't have a soul. <laughs> or uh, you can uh, look at the show notes, and you could just order the DVD set uh, from the link provided in our show notes. Yep. All right, so we're going to go a little more spoiler-heavy again. You already know the main—the main thing is that a clown dies, uh, but we are going to talk a lot more in depth about how the various characters react to this from here on out. All righty. All right, so uh, we, I guess the, the opening bit is that uh, Ted, who's kind of this blowhard, uh, very arrogant and conceited uh, <laughs> news anchor, wants to be the grand marshal of the parade, and he's very pleased that he's been asked to be the, the grand marshal, but his boss won't let him. He says, well, we're not going to let a respected face of a news program you know, march in front of a circus, and the replacement is Chuckles the Clown. <laughs> he says, he says I'm, I'm not going to let my... My news anchor, March next to chimpanzee, it's uh, degrading. And and then, oh, what does he say? Something. It's degrading for the chimpanzee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot of uh, classics that can be set up. These guys uh, are, okay, so one thing that just stood out to me from the very beginning, like these very opening lines, is how brutal these people are to each other. Yeah, there's... Um... There's a lot of snide, <laughs> snide remarks to go about. Uh, uh, not from Mary. Mary Richards, even though it's the Mary Tyler Moore show, her, her character's name is Mary Richards, she does not offer the same barbs uh, that the others do. She takes barbs from them, but she's kind of the sane center of these, <laughs> in some cases, really broad lampoonish characters, especially Ted. Ted is probably the broadest of all the characters. And Murray uh, is just absolutely ruthless. Yes. In his, in his uh, teasing of Ted. Yes. Uh, and Ted, though, it, you know, it's the classic, it's okay, because Ted doesn't mind. He's... It's totally over the top. Yeah. But uh, pretty I, fantastic. 
Yeah, but the the deliveries make it all work. Like you don't, even though the lines themselves are pretty brutal, you don't feel like anyone's feelings are really being hurt at all because yeah. of the delivery and the performances uh, all around. Those who are giving the lines and also receiving them. Yeah. And, and Betty, Betty White shows up in this very first scene. Yeah, that was she... a shock for me. <laughs> <laughs> and she was already old then. <laughs> and she's making jokes about growing old and being being funny when she's old. Yeah. It's Betty White is timeless. I mean, she. I had to look it up to see how old she was in this episode because I don't know. She just always. She's just as is Betty White. I mean, she's obviously younger in 1975 than she is now. But how old was she in the episode? She was 53. And uh, as far as the joke that she told about uh, hoping her mind is as sharp when she's old, I think she's got it. She <laughs> held on. I hope my mind's still active <laughs> when I'm here. <laughs> But no, that's one thing I wrote down is that uh, there is quite a few jabs uh, all around. But again, uh, Mary, it's it's kind of like uh, Jim and Pam in The Office uh, or even Jerry in, in Seinfeld. Like there's this core character that is more grounded and there are very odd characters like Dwight and, uh, you know, Michael Scott or Creed or, or Kramer or, or George that, that orbit around the sane center of the show. And the sane center of this show is Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah, and Ted especially. I mean, Ted is sort of the co-protagonist of this episode, especially at the beginning, because he's so interested in sort of being the Grand Marshal, and he's so childish and so self-centered and um, and just such a target. And he's, he's always speaking in that newsman, you know, the yeah. baritone. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's always delivering his lines like he's in front of a camera. Except, except for when he, uh, when he shows up at Mary's house. And, and he's having his meltdown that he, I, I just want to go into the circus. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he's trying to show his maturity, but it, the way he, the line he ends up crying is, I just want to go to the circus. Yeah, it's pretty great. So, uh, so Ted wants to be the Grand Marshal, and then um, we get uh, Mary in her apartment with Georgette. Is that the next scene? Yes. Yeah, Georgette and, comes, and says that Ted needs to talk to her because because Mary is the same, you know, center of everyone's universe on the show. She's the one that they have to go confide in. <laughs> I like Georgette a lot. I thought that she was um, really funny. Like, funny because she says legitimately funny things, not funny because she's just, like, easy to poke fun at because she's sort of um, airheady and... Yeah, she, I mean, it's an odd mix because she is definitely kind of a, a ditzy character, but... She also says funny things, and she knows she's being witty. Like, the character laughs at, like, she knows she's making a a, a joke. Whereas right. on sitcoms, sometimes characters say something, and it's the cluelessness of it all is what where the humor comes in for the audience. But, you know, she's she's giggling to herself, and she says some of the things. Like, um, she gets the, uh, is, it Be- is it the Betty White, Sue Ann, that gives, that gives Mary the mobile with the fruit? Oh. Yes. It's like plastic fruit hanging in a mobile, and, and Mary says to, um... To Georgette, what, what should I do with this? And she says, uh, you should put it in a mobile home. And then she sort of laughs at her own joke, and it's actually like pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So I liked her. I did, uh, since you mentioned it, uh, that, that food mobile, that Betty White's character had used it when she did a special called What's All This Fuss About Famine? <laughs> <laughs> that was an, a great name for a special news report. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, uh, go ahead, keep going. I was going to say, so Ted comes in and he's just lamenting that uh, their boss won't won't let him be the 
the Grand Marshal of the parade because this is one of his life's goals. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, it's the classic, you know, the, the very conceited, blowhardy characters acting, you know, like a child. And uh, I have to say, though, it's very funny to see. It, 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 yeah, it's just like line after line after line. I was just like belly laughing all by myself, sitting in my bed, watching my watching this on my iPad or you know, sitting at my desk in my office, watching it again, just belly laughing all by myself because <laughs> there's so many funny lines. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, then, so go ahead. I was going to say, so, and then the next day we're, we're back at the news, uh, and it's, you know, the, I, I want to say it's their, their afternoon broadcast, and their boss comes in and he just looks haggard and shocked. And he, he's like, he's like, something terrible's happened. Someone you all love has died, but I don't want to tell you about it. It's going to be too upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they, they beg him to tell him, and he says, Chuckles the Clown is dead. <laughs> and, and the way that he died is he was dressed as Peter Peanut, and one of the elephants tried to shell him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all we get. <laughs> A rogue elephant, I think, is the description named Jocko. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Jocko the elephant, the rogue elephant, tried to shell him. And then Murray just immediately starts making jokes about, like, he realizes the humor in this. And, and there's, everybody there's else a, is there's an absurdity to, be, to the situation. Right, everybody else is trying to be sort of serious and respectful. And um, and Murray starts making these jokes. And and every, and, and people are sort of, oh, you shouldn't do that. It's kind of funny, but it's in bad taste to make fun of somebody who's just passed away like this. And um, and then, uh, pretty soon, oh, well then, uh, then Lou goes in and tells Ted, right? Ted's giving the news. Yes. And, uh, Ted has to, without a script or a teleprompter has to <laughs> give the world the news that Chuckles the Clown has died. And Lou tells him, just do it, uh, you know, short, simple, and warm. And then, and then Ted does this awesome, <laughs> this awesome, uh, what, eulogy? For, yes. Yeah. For chuckles. Uh, off the cuff eulogy. It really is worth <laughs> watching the episode just for that scene and the funeral scene at the end. Those two alone. Yeah. And uh, and fi- finishes it with the the credo of a clown, which uh, a little a little song, a little dance, a little seltzer down your pants. <laughs> and uh, I think that's the title for our the title for this podcast. It's pretty great. Words to live by. <laughs> yes. I think he delivers it very solemnly. <laughs> yeah, just but the, you can tell that he he's, you can tell that he's actually kind of happy about it because he thinks that he's going to get the the gig now. He's going to well, get yeah, the Grand Marshal. Uh, when Lou came in and said Chuckles, the, you know Chuckles died. He says, "Oh, that's nice of you, but don't try and cheer me up, Lou." <laughs> <laughs> he's still down about this. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so then that we're in uh, Murray in Lou's office, and Murray's there. Yeah, and this scene is uh, where. Lou gets in on the uh, the joking about Chuckles' death. Uh, you know, seeing that there is some humor in the uh, again this kind of cosmic absurdity of a clown being shelled by a rogue <laughs> elephant. Uh, and you know, at first he's trying to keep a straight face, and then he just cracks up. And this is the scene where um, I realize like you have to be watching the screen for the way these actors are are delivering these lines and the way their faces are. Like so much of the humor is coming from their physicality, not yeah. just. 
the lines themselves, which are very funny lines. But they, this is, you know, really quality performance is happening there. There's a, uh, another podcast or, or writer, I can't remember where I heard him say it. His name is David Jacoby. He, he writes and does a podcast for Grantland. And at some point I heard him make a reference to what he called TSOP, which is uh, time spent on phone when you're watching a show, <laughs> as far as the quality of the show. <laughs> the time you spend, like, looking down and checking your emails on your phone or just, you know, flicking through random websites while you're watching a show and you're kind of following the plot. He says the the less TSOP there is, the higher quality the show is. Yeah. And I realized, like, you to appreciate the show, you got to have zero TSOP. you got to be watching their faces as they're saying each of these lines. You can tell that they're just... Um, they're either really great actors or they're really, really enjoying themselves. <laughs> Because it's just genuine, like, joyful laughter, which I think is great to see. Absolutely. Um, So in this uh, scene with Louis and and Murray, they, you know, they start cracking up. Ted comes in and sees that they're laughing, and he says, oh, what are you laughing at? And they say, you know, chuckles, and he he at first says, you know, that's that's too soon. That's really inappropriate. You can't can't laugh about this. But then he kind of gets brought into it as well. And the one stalwart in the office who won't make jokes about it is Mary. I think just to take like two steps back, um, Lou actually has a, the, a one, his one kind of moment of seriousness after the laughter starts um, is when uh, that's when t- uh, Ted comes in and and Murray and Lou are laughing and he says, "Oh, you shouldn't do that; it's in bad taste." And uh, and Lou says, "It's a release; it's a it's a defense mechanism. It's like whistling in a graveyard, right? We laugh at death because we know that in the end, death will have the last laugh for us." And um, and then it just they sort of move on. Oh, oh and, and uh, who, you for whom the bell tolls, the bell tolls for thee. And then Ted says, "Why does it toll for me?" And and then we're sort of back to laughing again. Yeah. But I think that there's actually a lot to be said for that kind of whistling in a graveyard, laughing, laughing about death. Um, yeah, and I think that's one reason why this episode actually works. Is uh, yeah, there's an absurd death but at the same time everyone is is mocking death you know this is a tragedy that they're making fun of and there's always a fine line that black comedy uh or dark dark comedy has to ride and this one rides it just fine and i think that acknowledgement helps it to be able to ride it and have it all work yeah it just it just brings like um it's you don't it don't they don't have to play it heavy-handed but to just say it one time makes you go oh you know what? That's kind of true. Like, none of us are going to make it out of here alive. I tell my students all the time, like, you're dying today. And you'll, you know, you'll never be as young as you are today. And, um, and I think it's okay to, like, like, what's that? Your classes sound like a real (laughs) pick-me-up. Yeah, it is. They're like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, but like carpe diem, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, I mean, they never, like, get that explicit in the message, but I think that kind of permeates this, that, yeah, any of us could die at any moment. Yeah. You know, so let's live a good life. In any of the most absurd ways, like being shelled by a peanut. But at least we weren't, uh, you know, dressed like a banana and, and <laughs> peeled by a gorilla. <laughs> that was a good uh, one. of my other favorite jokes that Murray makes is the, it could have been worse. You know how hard it is to, to stop after just one. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually the joke that gets Lou, like, to finally laugh. <laughs> yes, that's the one that gets it going. <laughs> so, uh, so Mary stands up for chuckles and, and, uh, and Lou says, well, come on, Mary, everybody does it. And she says, I don't. And then it's like, end of conversation. Yeah, it's, it's a bucket of ice water. And I want to say, for the character of Mary here, do you think she's a little too holier than thou in this scene? This is the scene where she really kind of chews everyone else and re, you know, reams them for laughing at, at the death. 
Um, I didn't think so. I just thought, I don't know. I I really liked her throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I I felt like uh, everything that she did felt authentic, like yeah. a, a, in the moment. And we'll talk about the funeral scene. Like this. Yes, I was gonna say, even if amazing, she is holier, <laughs> amazing even if she is, scene. Even if she is holier than thou, she certainly gets a comeuppance later on. Right. Uh, because she, she's chiding everyone else for not being able to rein in their laughter and thinks that there needs to be a more of a somber atmosphere. Which, I mean, about. if you, if you're going to like put yourself in somebody's shoes, it is, I, I mean, the, the, Chuckles was somebody who worked with them on for 20 years. It says his, like yeah. his, he wasn't part of the news team, obviously, but he worked in the same station. Right. Uh, you know, his show was on the same station and it seems like, uh, Ted talks about having been on his, you know, Chuckles Morning Show or whatever it is, and and so they they knew him and worked with him. Yeah. So I yeah. think that it's I I think that it's a totally legitimate uh, feeling for her to expect some you know level of dignity and respect for somebody who's passed away. I think that I mean death is a big deal in our culture. We don't like to talk about it very much, but when we do, we usually do so in like pretty solemn terms. And so I think that it's. I don't think she was out of line or uh, or un- not authentic, but uh, but she does get her comeuppance. <laughs> yes, uh, and she's been preparing a a retrospective on Chuckles the Clown, and she mentions his favorite, his most famous characters, <laughs> which were Mister Fee Fifo, Billy Banana, Aunt Yuhu, and then she kind of somberly says and. Peter Peanut. <laughs> Everyone else is trying hard not to laugh. <laughs> oh man! So then uh, next. Well, scene, just also oh, uh, the, the Aunt Yu who sounds like a you know just a, a very highbrow character. <laughs> where she says maybe we shouldn't use any footage of Aunt Yu and every, and you can tell Lou's kind of like goading her like he, I, he knows the answer. He's like, oh, uh, why shouldn't we use Aunt Yu who? It sounds like a fun character. And she says, oh, you know, he just put on a dress and yell, yoo-hoo. And then at the end of the show, he'd, he'd bend over and uh, on his bloomers, it would say the end. <laughs> and then Murray says, we, we should have buried him like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> and so, uh, you know, we, we come out of this scene where she's, you know, been, been taking this stand that we need more decorum as we talk about this. And then, and now it goes to the funeral and this funeral is the most famous bit of this very famous episode of this very famous series. And I know this, this funeral scene has been, um, referenced on, you know, everything from Saturday Night Live to the family guy have, have made references to this particular scene. So, uh, <clears throat> so they're at the funeral, every people are sort of filing in and, Murray just can't stop making jokes and and Mary is just totally indignant and then she finally tells him like look this is a funeral we've got to be serious about this so everybody sort of puts on their serious faces and and then the the preacher gets up and starts preaching and um and starts talking about Mr. Fifi Fo and uh and then Mary just she just like loses it like she can't not laugh and everybody else has sort of worked it out of their system and, and they're she, all shooting her looks <laughs> she, come on mary we're at a funeral <laughs> and she's trying to hold in this laughter and it's just played perfectly where she, it, i mean she's doing the thing where we have all been there in a situation where we know we should not be laughing 
but we can't not. And because we're trying to stop it, it's getting worse. And it like hurts. Like she's she's in physical, like obvious physical pain. This is some not gr- very very good physical comedy that's coming from Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah, she's really good. I um yeah I'm I am really happy that I watched this just to see that performance. It's so good. And the line where it makes it where she really can't hold it in any longer. I mean, there's obviously been several times where it's like bursting out and she's cupping her hand over her face and trying to hold it in and she's looking away, doing everything she can to try and rein this all in. But when the uh, the priest says, a little song, a little dance, a little seltzer down your pants, <laughs> she just lets out this loud guffaw that rings through and every, every head, you know, spins and looks at her. And then she, uh, and then he asks her to stand up. Young lady, stand up, stand up. And uh, you should, you should laugh. That's what, it's what Chuckles would want. We, he would want us all to laugh. It was his life's mission was to laugh and make people laugh. And uh, so he go ahead and tears. laugh. He hated tears. So he much. hated tears. He hated tears. So go ahead and laugh. And then Mary just loses it and starts crying. Yeah, not losing it with laughter, but bawling like painful, racking sobs yeah. in her body. So what's uh? I I feel like I don't know. I feel like it's worth at least spending a couple of minutes talking about. What's going on with that? Like, but why is why is Mary's response so different from everybody else's? Because nobody think, is nobody is crying their eyes out over chuckles. Um. Anyway, it's just so different. Was well, so she initially she has the different response of trying to maintain complete respect, uh, and you know any joke is in bad taste. It's it's. It's not just too soon. Those jokes should never be made, you know, mm-hmm. in, in how she's how she's reacting to it. And everyone else, you know, in various stages gets to the point where they're able to laugh about it. Um, Murray's first, and then, you know, Lou and even Ted and um, Betty White's character, whose name is escaping me. Sue Ann. Sue Ann, thank you. I mean, they all get to the point where they're, where they're able to laugh about it. And I think um, the the situation is so ridiculous <laughs> it's so absurd to have had a clown die this way that you know some part of you wants to laugh at this you know you're recognizing that there's this kind of cosmic irony on display in in the events that have happened um and she has completely repressed that until the most inopportune moment and that's when the laughter comes out but then we do get that turn to to the bawling which is the reaction that no one had yeah Seems like like the I don't I mean I'm not a psychologist and I'm also not a neurologist, but it seems like for as different as those two emotions are, sort of laughter and tears, um, it seems like they often come from sort of the same place. When we talk about and poets always talk about like uh, laughing, you can laugh until you cry. You can also laugh. So that you won't cry, like, right? So, sort sort of pick one or the other. But it seems like they come from really kind of the same sort of place. And I just thought the way that they handled the whole thing, I I just thought it was really well, like balance the balance and the pacing. um, And for her to end it on that note with this real, like just sort of wail of pain for somebody that she, I think she cared about. I mean, I think part of the reason that she's so indignant 
uh, earlier on is because either she really cared about Chuckles or she's like a really caring, feeling human being. And, and she's trying to work through this thing emotionally. And I think it's hard for her and that's respectable, I think. Yeah. And at the same time, if we're, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about the emotions that elicit that whale, some of it could also be the kind of personal shame that she's feeling for having just, you know, laughed at the most in her mind, <laughs> even though she's been given permission, you know, at this moment, she's, you know, she, she's fighting with herself because this isn't how you're supposed to behave. And, and, you know, the, now that she's been given permission to laugh, she of course does, you know, the next most inappropriate thing, which is <laughs> to cry loudly when she's just been told that chuckles hated, that chuckles hated tears. <laughs> and actually that's the first thing that she mentions in the next scene. They're all walking into Mary's apartment. And the first thing she says is I was just so embarrassed. So, right. So, yeah, I think you're right on. Now, I'm going to throw something out there, Todd, with what you're saying about laughter and crying, or or sobbing, rather. Because, like, the physical impact it has on your body does originate from a different place than, than, you know, all your facial expressions and things like that. Like, if you think about involuntary sobbing, like, the way it moves your body is very similar to laughter, and it comes from your gut. Yeah, absolutely. You're being, like, racked, I think is... Right, you can be racked with pain or racked with torment. You can also be racked with laughter, and that's... well, and we we see her being racked with laughter, like she's scrunching her body up and shaking from her core when she's laughing. Yeah, in the funeral, and then that that wail. It also like you can see it originate from her, from her core and, and you kind of erupt out of her. Yeah, it's just it's just so well played, and and beautiful, and like I I just think it's sweet, like um, uh, just the whole the whole thing. I, it was uh, delightful. And then there's a final tag scene uh, at Mary's apartment after the funeral where everyone kind of comes and she's getting them coffee and, and they just kind of briefly say how they want their funerals or their, you know, their, to be remembered after after they've died. It's everything from, from Lou saying he just wants to be put out by the trash with his hat on. He doesn't want to make fuss. <laughs> I love that. And, uh, uh, or, or and Sue, Ann, Sue Ann who wants to be cremated and her, her ashes spread over Robert Redford's body. <laughs> And then uh, Ted, who plans to immortalize himself through Project <laughs> Freezing. <laughs> Which, it's perfect for all those characters. Yeah, they really, um, it's, a, it's a really great piece of writing at the very end to sort of tie up kind of thematically the episode. This one, this one storyline, this A-line that you talked about earlier, um, in a way that just sort of uh, also reinforces everybody's character. That's just really, really well done. Does Georgette yeah. does Georgette say what her funeral what she would want her funeral to be? I don't think so. And I found um, actually when I was getting ready for this, I found the original script which has a different final joke. I don't I, the final joke to me isn't great. It's uh, uh yeah the the fruit. She brings out the food mobile one more time and says to Ted after he says he's going to freeze himself. She says something like, "Well, can you take this with you?" Yeah, because it's been ha- it's been hanging in her refrigerator because that's where Georgette <laughs> put it. And so I mean, there's a, t- a link there to. Uh, you know, temperature in some way, but right. it's not a very strong joke after a very strong episode. For me, that kind of fell a little flat. And the original um, final line, which is to me as funny as Georgette just saying to Ted, "That's terrific. Maybe when you come back, you won't complain so much about my cold feet." <laughs> <laughs> and to me, that's that's a much stronger joke to close it all uh, all out on. I, I think they probably use the uh, fruit mobile one more time just to to bring it all back together. You know, yeah. tie it all. Uh, but it didn't really land fully. Yeah. 
And, and so no, I don't think we hear Georgette other than that joke in the original shooting script. Uh, much from her in this final scene. Mary says that she would. She does just doesn't want to have uh, an organ playing sad music. Right. Oh, and Georgette says she does say it's just the sort of funeral I would want. Oh, so, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then we so know she does say you know more classic and traditional for her. Yeah. And um, for me. I, I said this, you know, all those comments kind of ring true for those characters, and you've only just met those characters, but it sounds like you had a similar reaction. That that kind of helps to define all of them. Yeah, so I watched it once a couple days ago and laughed, and I thought, oh, that's really funny, and I thought, man, what are we even going to be able to say about this episode? It's 25 minutes long, and, I mean, we've almost doubled, <laughs> we've almost doubled the length of the episode talking about it, <laughs> but... um. But I just, it just, it seems so kind of just simple and funny. And, um, and then I watched it again today, sort of with a closer eye and making some notes about some things. And I thought, wow, this is really, really, really good. And obviously, like, I suffer from, you know, this thing where I can't just watch, watch something and go, no, that was fun. And then be done with it. Like, my, my brain will sort of, sit and and think about you know what it has to do with other stuff and connect it to other things but yeah and it's, it's still percolating in the background yeah but man it's just it's uh, it's it's what comedy should be i think which is not like let's just make a, a bunch of random jokes about sort of forbidden topics and then that will be our funny thing but like or, or just make fun of one another which this has some of that but yeah, but but when you look at it, you I mean they're taking something like death and in a very lighthearted way that's not heavy-handed at all. Um they make some jokes about it, uh, but if you're if you're watching with the right eyes, then you walk out of it and you you know, makes you think about some stuff. And thinking about death is pretty important to, you know, life in general and I mean love lots of studies have talked about um one of the key and and not just studies but like philosophers from forever have talked about the importance of contemplating death and um it's an important thing and something that we don't do very often not nearly as often as we probably should but none no none of us are going to make it out of here alive so um what did you think about it's from the 70s so it's actually a little longer i think it has a 25 minute runtime whereas most uh, quote unquote half hour shows today have a 21 and change running time uh-huh. because we've added more commercials. And in that 25 minutes, there's only this one storyline and that is, you know, unheard of for, for sitcoms today. So was it a little different to engage in just one storyline in a sitcom for that run? I think it's a part of, it's part of the reason why initially I thought, what are we even going to say about this? Because it just seems so simple and short. It's short. I mean, you're watching, I'm watching it on, YouTube and I can see the you know the time the bar underneath and I'm like wow this is almost over and and then it is over um, so it felt short to me I'm used to I'm more used to watching I don't generally watch sitcoms as a you know kind of rule of thumb <laughs> uh, I haven't for quite a while most of the TV that I watch are um, 45 minute runs or 90 minute runs so it felt really short. Okay, uh, but I, I it was just delightful. Yeah, there's a uh, a book by Stephen Johnson that's called Everything Bad Is Good For You, and it's from I want to say 2004. I should double check that. But he, in it, he was talking about how our popular culture has become more complex and requires more more focus from us because we've added so many subplots and shows will have long running 
you know, side stories as well as, you know, their primary stories for an episode. And each episode isn't only the one thing. Um, and he argued that that is actually making our, our culture kind of more aware and more engaged because our, you know, our supposed fluff entertainment is, is increasing in complexity, mm-hmm. uh, particularly since the sixties and seventies. And, and, you know, he has these charts of the plot lines for, for each scene, what plot line are they dealing with for an average show? Uh, and, and the one from, that he has from the seventies is just one bar, uh, which is what this would be. It's dealing yeah. with this one plot line across. And then starting in the eighties, you start to get these other, you know, each scene is actually dealing with a different storyline. Uh, or, or addressing a you know a side story and that sort of thing, but I think even without that narrative complexity, this still had some thematic heft and thematic complexity, and it certainly, like you said, rewards that close viewing. Where if you look at it with that that careful eye, you're going to get more than just laughing at the jokes about a clown being shelled by a rogue <laughs> elephant named Jocko. Jocko. <laughs> uh, you'll you'll see that there's some actual commentary uh, going on that they even if it is lighthearted and you feel good after having seen it, if you let your mind kind of dwell on it, there, there's more there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Anything All else, right. we, Ellen, anything else you want to say about this? Uh, I just wanted to ask you, um, Mary herself, like, uh, you know, we're, we try and talk about great characters. What stood out to you about Mary Tyler or Mary Richards, not Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> She's <laughs> playing Mary Richards, uh, in this as a character. Like if you were trying to define her character, what, after seeing only a single episode, what would you say? Um, well, I talked before about how I feel like she's authentic. Um, I, I really liked her. I thought that she was uh, the kind of person that all of these people felt like you could just sort of drop in a room with them and, and, and you would like they're real people. And that's what she felt like to me was like a real person. And when she's, um, uh, kind of indignant about the way that uh, these people are making fun of Chuckles' death. I felt that that was real. Um, and then when, she, when she's trying as hard as she can not to laugh in this funeral, and she's totally mortified and and going through all of <laughs> like physical pain, trying to hold her laughter in. Um, I just uh, I totally uh, just bought the whole not just the performance but the character like. Uh, there's something just kind of admirable and authentic about her, um, and and her <laughs> crying at the end of the scene. Uh, I felt like she was. I mean, it's a 25 minute episode, and there's one storyline, and and so you're not going to get loads and loads of character development. Uh, but I liked her. I thought that she was yeah. authentic and real and um, respectable. Uh, so yeah, I really, yeah. I really liked her as a character. I mean, this is my first revisit to the series in years since I've seen it. Um, but one thing that stood out to me is that I thought she could have a real honest conversation with every other character on the show. And I don't know that every other character could do the same with other characters. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know that, you know, Sue Ann and Ted are going to have any deep, meaningful conversation, but Ted will go to Mary, even if it is a silly conversation for what is for him, you know, a real conversation. Right. You know, when he, when he's distraught and she and Murray could talk, but I would, couldn't see Ted and Murray, you know, having a real heart to heart conversation. Yeah, she definitely, I mean, she's, she's a comedic genius, but she's also really sort of grounds the whole cast. And she, she's willing to be the straight woman in the scene, which I've always heard from other 
uh, sitcom performers that you, you have to have that. And often that needs to be the best actor or actress in the scene, but also the most gracious to let right. the other ones get the laughs. Cause you know where the laughs are coming from, but you have to stand there and let this, this other person, you know, get it. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think that that says something about Mary, Mary Tyler Moore as an actress, um, as much as it says about, you know, Mary Richards as a character, but yeah, it's a great point. <laughs> um, the, Saying Mary Tyler Moore as an actress, it just made me think of something kind of funny I found when I was looking up some more information about this series. Uh, originally, this this is one of the first series that had a, a single female character as, you know, a, a working career woman as the main character uh, of a series on television. And I guess in the original pilot script, she was going to be recently divorced. Um, but it, that was taken out for two reasons. One, uh, some network executives seem to have thought that was too risque a topic to talk about divorce. Uh, and then the other one was, uh, they, someone expressed concern that they would think that she had divorced Dick Van Dyke from the Dick Van Dyke show. (laughs) (laughs) She played Laura Petrie on the Dick Van Dyke show and they didn't want, you know, that to feel like that marriage had, had dissolved. Oh my God. (laughs) Now she was breaking off on her own in a different career, you know, entirely. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, notes from executives. I, I I've read many great notes from executives that you, just make you scratch your head. But that's a good one that yeah. they were worried audiences would think she divorced Dick Van Dyke. She divorced Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> and you know what? They probably would have. <laughs> that's the kicker. Anything else about this? Uh, no, that's everything. I I wanted to make sure we covered. Okay, well that wraps up this episode. Uh, thanks for joining us. Remember, you can subscribe to The Protagonist in iTunes, and we would love, love, love if you would go onto iTunes and leave a review there if you like what you hear on here. And uh, if you don't like what you hear, then if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. Uh, you can find complete show notes for this episode and a list of all our other shows at protagonistpodcast.com. If you have suggestions of things you would like to hear us talk about or comments about the podcast, you can send us email at feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at, at @protagonistpod. You can also find us each on Twitter. I'm at Todd K Mac. He's at Jay Dorowski. Our producer Andrew is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. Uh, you can check out our f- new Facebook group called Protagonist Podcast Group. And we love any comments, corrections, suggestions, especially suggestions for characters we can discuss in the future. And thanks again for listening. We'll be back again next week to discuss another great character and a great story. So long. just have a portfolio of say, <laughs> headshots. headshots and three-quarter shots just you know in case the agents come by no not not yet when this blows up that's one it's <laughs> light background dark background in front of a lake setting in all four colors seasons. make my eyes pop oh, mm-hmm. all four seasons glasses no glasses <laughs> five sweater scruff, over the shoulders the beard. five day scruff ten day scruff full beard <laughs>